I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, everybody, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. This is Jake Kokorowski, senior writer at BadgerBlitz.com, part of the Rivals Network. And we're kicking things off right off the bat. Wisconsin 1-3, and 0-2 oh in the Big Ten. Heads down to Champaign to take on Illinois, led by an old friend in former head coach Brett Bielema. 2.30 p.m. Central kickoff on the Big Ten Network. And of course, check out BadgerBlitz.com for all your coverage, written-wise. But we also, on this podcast, want to be kicking it off right away, doing an opponent Q&A, essentially, in podcast form. we got Alec Bussey from Orange and Blue News, our Rivals.com cousins that cover all things Illinois athletics. And Alec has been extremely busy with Big Ten Media Days for basketball. Plus, there's football. This is a great time of year for us, folks. Alec, how you doing, man? Thanks for making time on this Friday. Yeah, I'm doing great. First of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it a lot, of course. Yeah, you hit it right on the head. They're really busy. Uh, obviously, Big Ten Basketball Media Days, first time I've ever been over there for that. But a lot of fun going over there. Was able to get some fun comments from Hunter Dickinson. And, man, that guy's a content magnet. So uh, we appreciate that in our business and was able to provide some good quotes for a fun story that's on our homepage right now. Absolutely. And, yeah, guys, go to illinois.rivals.com where you can find all that from Alec uh, and Doug too. It's a great site and uh, a lot of fun too. I mean, I know uh, Wisconsin's there today. Uh, I'm not down there right now, but uh, you know, there'll obviously be more coverage going forward from badgerblitz.com about the men's basketball season, but turning our attention back towards football, Wisconsin, Illinois, fun matchup, I should say, because there's a little bit more intrigue ever since Brett Bielema has, uh, you know, was named head coach uh, for you know, the fighting the line eye in your eyes, Alec, just, you know, what's been the impact of, of Bielma being at Illinois now? And just what have you seen from terms of changes from what was Bobby Smith's regime? Well, it feels like a college program, right? Like the way Brett Bielma handles the program, the things he says, his involvement in the community, his outreach to not just former football players at the university of Illinois, but alumni in general, it feels more like a college football program. Uh, obviously, on the field, there's a lot of differences in terms of scheme and what they do as well. Defensively, they're really multiple. It's hard for me to even, I guess, peg a defensive philosophy that they have. It's not like they run a 4-3 or a 3-4 or a 4-2-5 or what have you. And that makes it a lot of fun to watch this defense play. And it, it's been pretty good the last three weeks. They've actually held their last three opponents, Maryland, Purdue, and Charlotte, a Conference USA opponent Charlotte, uh, to 20 points or less. And it's the first time that an LMA defense has done that since 2011 when they started 6-0 under Ron Zook and then lost six in a row by some grace of God, I guess, right? It's Illinois football. That's what they do. But, uh, (laughs) you know, offensively, it's very similar to, I think, what we kind of think of when we see a Brett Bielema coach team. It's ground and pound. It's smash mouth football. It's we want to beat you through the air with the play action. And the offense is still developing, especially in the passing game with what Brandon Peters is working with. And Illini fans are not huge fans of Brandon Peters right now. And 
I think that's justifiably fair, but at the same time, like his receivers aren't getting open. It's not like his offensive line has been doing a fantastic job of pass pro. So it is exactly what you kind of think of a Brett Bielema coach team. It's in the early stages of it, but it's starting to get that identity, right? And that's something that I think Illini fans should be excited about because I think it's something that only kind of lacked the last five years under Lovey Smith and that obviously the Tim Beckman regime was kind of a mess as well. But it's cool to see that Illinois kind of is kind of, I guess, getting to a point now where you can kind of see what they're going to do and what they're going to build towards. And I think fans were justifiably upset about the way they lost to Maryland and Purdue, but they're also kind of understanding of the fact that, Hey, this might take some time to really get this thing going in the right direction. Now has Brett said anything about this week in general, anything that stood out? I'm sure he's gotten questions about his time at Wisconsin before bolting to Fayetteville to take the job at Arkansas in, I guess I could call it unceremonious fashion back uh, in 2012. But as Brett has a lot of questions been asked about his ties to Wisconsin and and his first head coaching gig in college. And, and what has he said overall about the matchup? Yeah. So he's kind of downplayed it and said, Hey, this is about the university. I think his words on Monday were like, this is about university of Illinois football versus university of Wisconsin football. It's not about Brett Bielema, whatever. And, he's going to say that stuff, right? Like, I think we all kind of understand that that's how this is going to work. And that's what coaches say. But I think personally, I think there's always that extra juice, right? And I think that he wants to see Illinois do well against Wisconsin. I think he wants Illinois to build up to where Wisconsin has been in the last 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And it's a gradual process to get there. He's not going to publicly say like, Hey, I want to beat Wisconsin more than any other program. But at the same time, you know, like I do think there's some internal drive that he wants to beat them and, so we'll see. I, I don't know if you're going to see it on the field and the way he coaches or the manner in which he handles things, but there is definitely an internal drive, I think, to beat Wisconsin a little bit more than maybe another opponent. Well, let's, let's look at the offensive side of the ball for Illinois, averaging about oh, just under 21 points per game, just about 356 yards overall, uh, but hundred almost 188 of them come on the ground. Illinois has got a couple of talented backs at the very, very least uh, when you're looking at Chase Brown, Josh McCray, even for those Wisconsin fans that know Reggie Love the third was a prime Wisconsin target before he committed to Illinois to just, you know, what is standing out about this offense so far in this first year underneath Bielma? I know he's a defensive minded coach, but just what have you seen from Illinois overall in this first season? They run the ball. They want to run the ball a lot. And they have an offensive line that's really experienced. Doug Kramer at center has graded out as one of the better PFF centers in the country. Bedarian Lowe, left tackles, graded out really well by PFF and run blocking. And a, and a name that you probably don't know or Wisconsin fans don't know, Julian Pearl. He didn't start the year on the offensive line, but he was able to work his way into the right guard position. Uh, he's been really, really, really good. And he's going to be Illinois' left tackle next year by my estimation. He's been incredible in the run blocking scheme. And Chase Brown and Josh McCray kind of hit it nail on the head there. I, they've been pretty good. Josh McCray, I don't think, was expected to have this kind of season by anyone in the media corps, especially me, uh, just by the depth that Illinois had at the running back position. But he's got a really, really good combination of power and speed and he's really 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 big uh jake like he 
I stand next to him. He doesn't look like a freshman running back. Like he's, he's really big and he, you don't want to try and tackle him. You don't have to stand in front of that, but he's, he's not just really big and powerful. He's got an, an odd burst of speed that you don't think he would have. And it's made it difficult to bring him down. He's not Illinois' best back. That is Chase Brown. Chase Brown is, in my opinion, Illinois' best or second best offensive player, especially at the skill positions. He's got a really good combination of speed, power, and his vision is great. The biggest thing holding Chase Brown back is patience in the backfield and waiting for the holes to open up. There's times where he's a little anxious back there and kind of pushes it before he should. But in the passing game, it's been really, really rough. Like Brandon Peters has been really bad. He threw for just 108, 100 yards, I think, last week, less than 100 yards. Didn't throw for 100 yards against Purdue, I don't think either. And while he justifiably does deserve criticism because he has been bad, and he looks like he's scared to get hit, and he's not going through his reads. He's kind of just throwing it to his first read. His receivers aren't getting open at all. His tight ends aren't maybe being utilized as much as they probably should be. So he's been bad, and that's fair to say, but his receivers aren't getting open, and it's hard to ask a quarterback to be really good when he has to throw to receivers that aren't open. And, you know, when it comes to just overall with, I mean, going to the flip side of the ball with, with Illinois, or even before that, I mean, you talk about a big back like Joshua McCray, like Wisconsin's got one and a true freshman like Braylon Allen, who's 6'2", 238, and kind of it sounds like very similar in terms of not built like a standard running back and not a true freshman. And, and for that matter, you know, Braylon Allen's, a, he reclassified from the 2022 class to 2021. Uh, and, you know, he received some carries, this past week in non-garbage, non-mop-up time. So it'll be interesting to see if two true freshmen can actually get in the game and then uh, see how they can affect uh, opposing defenses. But but about that Illinois defense, giving up about 25 points per game, really good against the run, only about 125 per contest from what I'm seeing on just 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, you know, they are, Illinois looks like they're giving up a lot through the air. Uh, but I'm also seeing the pressures being picked up where they've sacked quarterbacks yeah. 15 times. P- Pro Football Focus noted for Illinois 91 pressures in six contests uh, this season. Uh, and of course, I mean, we always know Illinois underneath Lovey Smith was very much known for turnovers. You're seeing that even this year, even, even granted, there's 10 through six games, so not more than two, but yet. Uh, they still hold a you know a positive turnover margin. Just what are you seeing from that defense so far? I'm honestly really surprised that they were able to turn it around. Like if you go back and look at some of the box scores against UTSA and Virginia, they gave up over a thousand combined yards in those two games. I think obviously they gave up a lot of points in those two games, but something just changed after those two games. And credit Ryan Walters on his defensive coordinator for making the right decisions, I guess, and getting the right personnel. And he's actually moved down to the sideline since that loss to Virginia. And that's kind of been maybe the change. It seems like the players have responded really well to that. And personnel wise, they've been really good too. Um, Kirby Joseph at safety has been kind of a come out of nowhere coming out party for him. He wasn't expected to really have much of an impact this year, fourth year player, maybe an impact on special teams and he has gone on special teams, but he's played really, really well at free safety. The last couple of weeks has had a couple of interceptions, um, has a couple of forced fumbles or a fumble recovery in there as well. I don't know if he's like the engine that makes it go by any means, but he's been really good. I've what's really been impressive to me, Jake, is when you look at this team, it's they've found a way to get pressure while rushing just three in the last couple of weeks. And 
that's odd, right? Like you don't normally see that, especially in the Big Ten. Like you kind of see that now in the SEC with since Mike Leach has gotten down there with Mississippi State and then throwing the ball all over the place. You don't see Big Ten teams drop eight very often, right? Because you don't, you just don't. Like teams don't run the spread that like that way. But they found a way to get pressure with guys like Keith Randolph, defensive tackle, or defensive lineman. Uh, Johnny Newton's been really good as well. Owen Carney, he had um, two sacks last week on back-to-back plays against Charlotte. He's been good. They've started to move him around as well from a stand-up outside linebacker to um, on the defensive line. Seth Coleman, he's been good as well. Don't know if he's going to play this week. He got hurt last week. I think it's an ankle. Um, but if he if he didn't, doesn't play, Isaiah Gay, another super senior outside linebacker, has shown something in the last couple of weeks. Tia Illinois, a little bit of hope as well on the opposite side of Carney. So, and obviously the linebacker crew has been pretty good as well in the last couple of weeks without Jake Hansen, which I mean, he's obviously the guy who kind of makes it all go for them defensively. He's their leader. He's a really good player. I think he does a lot of stuff that fans maybe don't necessarily see or don't necessarily appreciate just because they're not aware of it. But uh, Tariq Barnes and Kalen Tolson have both been pretty good in that linebacker role as well. So, I always talk about offense. We always talk, talk about defense. But special teams for Illinois, at least punter, kicker, Pretty decent, I would say, uh, with Blake Hayes. And uh, you also have James McCourt. I mean, I'm even just looking with, with Hayes averaging over 45 yards per punt. 15 of those have been inside the 20. Nine of them have been 50-plus yards for McCourt. Uh, you know, he's 8 of 12 right now. Uh, three of six from 50, yard, 50 yards or more with a long of 53. Uh, but he's also, uh, you know, talking about return games, and Wisconsin hasn't necessarily – reaped a lot of benefits from either punt or kickoff return. You know, McCourt, 25 touchbacks and 28 kickoffs for us that have covered Wisconsin very much a Zach Hintz-esque uh, performance from 2019. But how has the special teams influenced this, this program as well in 2021? Yeah, honestly, I think you might be underestimating the special teams group a little bit. Blake Hayes is one of the best punters in the entire country. He's really, really good. Uh, he's really accurate. He's got a really big leg he's came back to improve his hang time and he's done that uh really 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 good at getting touchbacks inside like the not touchbacks downing it inside the 20 10 and even the five he's been really good james accord he's been good he's got a really big leg my biggest thing with him is just consistency he has the illinois school record for most many field goals of 50 yards or more but you kind of just want to see more from him at least mm-hmm. i do i want to see him make kicks more consistently so if he's able to do that, the Illinois special teams takes another step. But yeah, he's they're, they're, it's a pretty good unit, all things considered. And then before we let you go, two more quick questions. Keys to the game for Illinois in your eyes. What what does Illinois have to do to come away with a, a win to make it a two-game winning streak o- over the Badgers? Well, it'd be a two-game home winning streak, right? Right. Or, yeah. home, right. Like that's right. No, and that's, that's what I meant. I meant yeah, two game, two game winning streak for this season as they beat Charlotte, but then also uh two game home. Cause we all know what happened with the 24, 23 yeah. homecoming win uh, the upset loss for Wisconsin back in 2019 from which I think I talked to Doug about this shocked us all. Well, it was one of the biggest upsets in big tennis when you look at point spread, right? Uh, he's a game for me for Illinois to get a win. I think it's really important for Illinois to get a couple takeaways defensively and not only just get the takeaways, but you're going to have to capitalize on them as well. I don't think this Wisconsin offense is one that's going to be able to put up a lot of points with or without Graham Mertz and with or without Jake Ferguson at tight end. 
I just don't have a lot of respect for it. And the offensive line, oddly enough, has just not been very good for Wisconsin. So if you're able to get some pressure, uh, force Mertz to make a bad decision here or there, or whoever's playing quarterback for Wisconsin, that's a that's definitely something that I think would bode well for Illinois. The other thing is I think you really want to kind of take control of the time of possession. Wisconsin's also kind of struggled to run the ball a little bit. Now mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for Illinois to take control of the time of possession against this Wisconsin defense that's really, really good at running the ball. So obviously this is kind of a basic one, but get takeaways is big for Illinois, but also establish something on the ground in the run game. If you're able to do that, I think Illinois would be in a pretty good chance to maybe tweak out an upset. So we'll see. I think those are both big things for Illinois side of things this week. And then of course, lastly, what's your game prediction for, for Saturday then? Yeah. So I actually think this game's going to be pretty close. I, mm-hmm. I don't know why I just do like, I just don't really think Wisconsin's that good. And that's probably not a good thing to think because when you look at who Wisconsin's played this year, I mean, the loss to Notre Dame is obviously impressive. Notre Dame, in my opinion, is probably going to finish 11 and one. Uh, I don't know how good I think Notre Dame is, but still that's impressive to go 11 and one loss to Penn state who might be the best team in the big 10. So you, you have to kind of consider the fact that Wisconsin's played a really tough schedule, but they just don't have the explosiveness on offense, in my opinion, to kind of blow Illinois out. So I think it'll be a close game. I'm taking the Badgers, but I think it's going to be low scoring. I have Wisconsin. Um, I think I said 17-7 or 17-10 earlier this week. Gotcha. I, you know, I was doing the Q&A with Doug earlier this week. If you guys go to, you know, um, Orange and Blue News, you'll hear, you'll see my response or my prediction where I said with Mertz, 17-13 Wisconsin, uh, you know, and if without, you know, which right now it head coach Paul Chris mentioned that both Mertz and Ferguson have practiced this week, uh, you know, which is definitely promising signs, uh, you know, for a potential return. Uh, and obviously we'll see the official status coming up on, Saturday afternoon, but, uh, really, you know, it's, uh, I think it, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it's 17, 13. Uh, I'm giving away my prediction after I, uh, for, from, for later on in this podcast, but, uh, I think it's going to be a very much a low scoring, uh, game. And I think the defenses are going to stand tall. I think the biggest thing too, and maybe a tease of what I'll say later on, uh, after we let you go, Alec is the turnovers because two fourth quarter turnovers in 2019, you know, Wisconsin was deep in Illinois territory and there's a cough up a ball. I think it was a Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor fumble. Uh, you know, it was. And then on top of that, Jack Cohen throwing that interception, uh, you know, which was intended for Jake Ferguson. And then that leads to the game winning field goal. So they had, they had chances to ice the game and what was, a, they've struggled even back in 2017, where if you remember, they had to use a Michael Dieter uh, trick play, a, which was technically a lateral instead of a pass uh, for a touchdown to, to really ice the game in a 24, 10 win. Uh, that year. So uh, I agree with you there. Um, Alec, what else do you guys got going on? Uh, you already teased it with uh, some basketball talk, but what's what else is going on on Orange and Blue News? Yeah, so I'll have a couple of basketball stories coming up. Obviously, Illinois is a huge basketball school. There's a lot of excitement around the Illinois basketball program right now, uh, especially considering they're going to be a top 15 team preseason. So you can read all my basketball stories there. I actually have a really interesting feature that should be up later today or sometime this weekend on Brett Bielema and maybe Wisconsin fans will find this interesting how much he's changed personally in his life since he was in Madison. And uh, yeah, so give that a read if you get a chance as well. 
Absolutely. And we'll make sure we link that on our, our pages too, or, you know, our game previews as well. Alec, man, appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to seeing, uh, seeing you hopefully for some basketball down the road. I know I'm not going to be in Champaign this weekend, but uh, thanks again for your time. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Folks, that's Alec Bussey from Orange and Blue News. Go to illinois.rivals.com for all their coverage uh, for this week's games and more. Because obviously basketball, they're gonna that program is on the rise too, and and obviously has made big impacts uh, on Big Ten schedule recently too. So you know we're gonna take a break, folks. Come back. I'll give my three keys to the game for Wisconsin against Illinois. Key: no turnovers or as few as possible. Uh, with a group that's given up 12 in three games or four games, I should say. Uh, but yeah, we'll be right back. Got to pay some bills uh, with some ads. So stay tuned. We'll be right back on the badgerblitz.com podcast powered by overtime media. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal each week. You're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Welcome back, everybody, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media, Jay Kokorowski once again. And big thanks to Alec Bussey from Orange and Blue News to discuss Illinois and, and what Brett Bielma has already done in Champaign. And again, big thanks to him. Make sure y'all go to illinois.rivals.com for more going forward. But uh, also, I wanted just a quick housekeeping thing. Apologies for not getting a podcast up last week. Um, sort of a rough week on my end with some family business. Uh, so that... Unfortunately, that skipped my mind before actually going to the game and, and covering uh, the loss at uh, against Michigan. So uh, apologies on my end. Um, once a week, we'll continue to do these podcasts and we'll continue to roll from there. But what I'm going to do kind of like with this, I think with the structure I'm going to have, I'm going to try to do the opponent Q&A right off the bat in this contest and that, you know, in these podcasts. But then also uh, give my keys to the game. I've been kind of doing this already, but essentially give my keys to the game and maybe some players to watch. I'll do on the back end of these podcasts uh, for the final 10 minutes or so. We're trying to keep this within a half hour. So you guys can listen. If you're traveling down to Champaign, if you're traveling out somewhere, if you're just at home, just waiting for the game, it's a quick 30 minutes uh, for your preview and we get you in and out. So, you know, let's start with the keys to the game. And I already talked about it right uh, with Alec. And that really goes back to Wisconsin and the turnovers. They are, they have 12 turnovers so far this this season, eight interceptions, 
four fumbles lost. That's through four games. That's three per game. They're not winning the t- turnover margin. The defense, for that matter, I don't think they – they also haven't taken advantage of some of the opportunities to have big plays. Uh, Scott Nelson's near pick six on Jack Cohn in the opening series against Notre Dame is one that pops out. There's also uh, the, the would-be safety, even though it's not a turnover. It's still a big play where Nick Herbig potentially could have had uh, Cade McNamara for, for a safety there. So – I think within this, it's win the turnover battle. That's all, it's every week, but this with this team especially, the margin of error of this team is so small that they need to win this battle uh, and give their offense, uh, you know, a chance for sudden change opportunities, but also rest the defense too, um, and and vice versa. They Wisconsin needs on that offense. They need to not throw interceptions and uh, not fumble away the ball. Uh, have better ball security on that end. Um, so those are that's big there. Illinois, again, um, 10 turnovers created through six games. It's not a big staggering total, but they're still in double digits through a half dozen games this season. Um, so that's going to be a big key there. And, and I already mentioned talking to Alec about Illinois and what they did with those two turnovers in the fourth quarter in 2019 that really led to you know, Wisconsin not icing the game. They could have iced that game on that final drive or the second to last final drive. Uh, you know, I remember the Kendrick Pryor uh, near touchdown in 2019, where if he actually scores, I mean, I get the games in Wisconsin's hands. We're just talking about an ugly win heading into Columbus uh, back in late October, 2019. Now it's a little bit different where, you know, um, obviously that completely changed uh, some trajectory there. So uh, that that's a big key. Regardless, game in, game out, I'm going to say turnovers for this team until we see them stop turning the ball over. Uh, one thing for – I'm going to do one thing offense, one thing defense, and one thing special teams. The other one right now really is just for the defense, stop the Illinois run game. We already talked about the 187 yards per game, almost 100, I think 188 uh, nearly for the Fighting Illini and their offense. You contain Chase Brown. You contain Josh McCray you have a pretty good chance of stopping Illinois' offense. The the vertical threats aren't necessarily there. Uh, and as Alec mentioned, Brandon Peters has not looked good. Uh, I don't think Arter, Artur Sikowski, who used to be a Wisconsin target for that matter, I don't foresee him, uh, them being uh, game changers in this game. And, and for that matter, Wisconsin's faced some good receiving cores, let's be honest, you know, uh, this year. Uh, obviously Penn State and Jahan Dotson, you had Notre Dame. And then for that matter, uh, you know, you had Michigan where, yeah, they didn't have Ronnie Bell, but Cornelius Johnson uh, beat them for 34-yard touchdown. And this this Illinois team has Isaiah Williams, uh, who leads the team in receptions, I think it's 28, but the yards per catch is under 10 yards. No one else has above, I believe, 12 on the team. So, again, uh, I think the secondary, they can't let up, obviously, and they won't. Uh, you know, they're not going to take an opponent lightly, but it should be an easier matchup, but it all starts up up front, and Wisconsin's defense ranks first in the nation in rush defense, allowing just over 45 yards per game. Uh, you know, third down conversions, they're among the, the nation's best uh, as well. Get Illinois off the field there. I think that if you stop the run game, you stop Chase Brown and Josh McCray, things are going to go smoothly for the defense. Offensively, Honestly, it, to me, uh, they have to find out what the identity of that offense is going to be moving forward. 
Uh, and it's something that was talked about after the game, right? You, you, and I'm, you've seen the articles. You've seen my articles on BadgerBlitz.com. You know, my colleague Jesse Temple's written about it. Everyone's really written about just, you know, this this offense and the struggles. Um, after starting strong, running the ball against both Penn State and Eastern Michigan, it's t- you know, the Wisconsin has gained 121 yards on 60 carries against Notre Dame and Michigan combined. Now credit to those defenses too. Cause I mean, those are top two defenses really in terms of just you know, a power five standout group and Notre Dame just really, uh, you know, locked them down in my, uh, you know, in my eyes, which is surprising because they gave up 254 yards against, uh, or was it 254, 264 yards uh, against Florida state, you know, in the beginning of the season. But you know, it, it, I haven't checked the Cincinnati score, so um, or what, what the yardage was that the Fighting Irish gave up uh, in that game. But you know they did a fantastic job shutting down Wisconsin there. But uh, you know Michigan obviously did well, forty-three yards on thirty-two carries. Um, Passing-wise, Wisconsin needs to get going on that end. But we what what's going to come of this? Where you know having Mertz back and looking at Paul Chris comments, you know, and it does bode well in my eyes for what Wisconsin, you know, for possibly having Graham Mertz and tight end Jake Ferguson there. Uh, you look at what Paul Chris had to say when he was asked about it, about you know, Mertz he said he's been able to practice and that's part's been good. So expecting to have everyone there, Ferg's been able to practice that part's all been good. So that seems positive in the light that Mertz, and Ferguson could play uh, coming up this weekend in Champaign. If that happens, that bodes well for Wisconsin, where they'll be healthy, but they have to get the, something going, uh, especially with the, the air, the aerial attack, where I think you have weapons in that the, the wide receiver room, the tight end room. Uh, heck, even the, the running backs themselves, with Ches Malusi and Jalen Berger, I think can make plays in the, the passing game, too, that we haven't necessarily seen. Uh, for that matter. So we'll see just, you know, how they can move. And, and I think it, a lot of this all stems back, both go into the offensive line and, and not putting them on blast necessarily. Like these are college kids, right? These are between 19 to 21, 22 year olds. Uh, but, you know, so, uh, but you know, it, the line needs to block better against the run. It needs to protect against an Illinois front that, um, it's not 91. It's actually 92. P, uh, Pro Football Focus credits the de- you know Brett Bielema's defense right now uh, with that many pressures uh, at the moment. So um, you know, and, and taking care of Owen Carney Jr., who has like 45, uh, 4.5, uh, yeah, 4.5 sacks on the year. Um, they they need to block better. They need to try to open up some holes. It's going to be tough. Uh, I mean, the question is, like, are we going to see more Braylon Allen, uh, which could be something uh, that group to kind of throw a change up. I think Ches Malusi, Jalen Berger, and Isaac Garendo all provide something that defenses have to study. I like Garendo after the first two weeks, but we haven't really seen him after, the, you know, too much after that. Uh, you know, how will Jalen Berger and Ches Malusi react this week? And, you know, we saw Braylon Allen in some short yardage situations early on. And then, you know, his nine yard run against Michigan, you know, 
on that three play drive, you know, was the catalyst. Then uh, they get to near midfield and you see Graham Mertz aired out to Jim Ray DK uh, twice uh, with the last t- being an 18 yard touchdown pass before half, uh, you know, given a 13, 10, uh, you know, deficit rather than a 13, three score heading into halftime last week. So I really think, you know, they need to find something like, you know, I have this theory and I'll go long story short. I, I think why not go, 11 personnel, uh, you know, and, and short, quick passes. You, you get it to DK, and who I think is really shined for that matter. Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis, Ferguson, if he's healthy, but even seeing like someone like Clay Cundiff come up with some big catches now uh, this season uh, in very limited. He's only got three receptions, and two of them could have been touchdowns. Uh, only one of them is official because of that holding penalty on Danny Davis against Eastern Michigan. But, you know, I think trying to get something going um, – We'll see what happens because Illinois with this, you know, for that matter too, playing Illinois, they've only given up 125 yards per game on the ground this year. And they haven't given up, I believe, more than 133 since the second their second game of the season. So it may be tough sledding for, for Wisconsin in that matter in the run game again. So can the passing game get going? Uh, yeah, I think it, it's going to have to if Wisconsin wants to put more points on the board. And for that matter, Illinois gives up over 292 per contest. So... I think Wisconsin will need to take advantage of that uh, category and having, if Mertz, you know, is officially going to, you know, if he does go, that's going to be big for the offense uh, as their QB one. Last one, special teams, the mistakes need to stop. Uh, The miscues need to stop. And uh, Chris Herring's unit had, you know, two possessions last week where against Michigan led the six points in the first half, Uh, a punt coverage play that hits, Hunter Wohler inside the, you know, five-ish yard line. Michigan takes over within inside the 10. Wisconsin's defense, thankfully for, for Wisconsin, holds. But what happened? But, you know, that, that still causes extra stress on the defense. Uh, and it made a two-score game. Uh, you know, we don't know what the Wisconsin offense would have done backed up like that uh, if they retained possession, but that led to a field goal. But then on top of that, uh, Jack Van Dyke, booted a ball out of bounds at the Michigan five after Wisconsin made it a one score game after their first scoring drive of the contest. And that allowed Michigan to have better field position at the 35. They marched down. They, they equalize Wisconsin's field goal with one of their own. And it's a 10 point deficit once again for, for Bucky. So uh, on top of that, and I've talked about this ad nauseum in my columns or articles, whatever Wisconsin, you know, against Notre Dame, gave up a 96-yard kickoff return to Chris Tyree when they went up 13-10 in the fourth quarter. Wisconsin was still in that game, entering that final frame, and complete momentum shifts and is a catalyst for 31 unanswered points by the Irish in what became a 41-13 win in Soldier Field. Um, So that needs to, things need to be cleaned up on the kickoff unit. For you know, Colin Larsh has actually looked pretty good. Six of eight, hit a forty. You know, as long as it's been forty-three yards, uh, missed the fifty. I think it was a fifty-two-yarder, uh, two. But you know, he's to me, he's looked a little bit more solid this year than 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 years past. Uh, Andy, you know, Vunavich, uh, who I'm hoping to get an article up on Saturday morning talking about his season so far. I think he's you know looked good. He's you know top eleven in the nation in yards per punt. But those are the bright spots. But even for that, for, for Larsh, his 25-yard chip shot against Penn State really 
you know, I mean, Wisconsin should have been up early against Penn State in that first half, and the field goals blocked. And that, you know, point, you know, with Wisconsin, again, the margin for error for this team is going to be small. And that was, again, another play that Wisconsin obviously would want back, but um, it's a special teams miscue. So they have to shore that up there. We'll see if that happens. Um, two players, you know, a couple players to watch uh, for Wisconsin. You know, I'll say, you know, I've really liked, especially with the run game in Illinois, let's go with Matt Henningsen. Um, already four tackles for loss through four games. He's playing stellar. Um, they're going to need him, uh, you know, out against Illinois in their rushing attack. So I, I'm going to call him out for a player to watch. Uh, and obviously he's had a stellar redshirt senior campaign so far. And then... Um, I guess, you know, on offense, you know, I'll, I'll name three uh, for right now. And that, you know, one's Graham Mertz to, you know, like I said, he, Paul Chris mentioned he practiced this week, you know, um, to me, you know, he could, you know, I think Mertz gives Wisconsin the best chance to win. And, you know, you saw that glimpse, that flash of what he could do in those final two drives against Michigan, you know, in that first half where he went eight of 10 for 115 yards. And I, I think, you know, I mean, again, it's been inconsistent, but, you know, what can he do against an Illinois defense that allows that many yards per game through the air? We'll see what happens there. Um, on top of that, um, you know, I know the offensive line is going to be the big, like, you know, I mentioned the offensive line in, in total, but, you know, I want to see how Tyler Beach and Logan Bruss respond. Okay, I'll go four here, four players. So these two are kind of combined, but Tyler Beach, Logan Bruss, you know, how do they look on the edge against someone like Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay, if Seth Coleman's able to go, you know, how how do they respond um, after some tough outings this year? Uh, the last one I'll say is Braylon Allen, just to see what he does. I, a bunch of us interviewed him after he received, and I wrote about it in Badger Blitz, against Michigan. That was the first time he received carries before the fourth quarter. In the four in four games. Now he missed the Notre Dame game, but that was the first time he actually you know received carries and not mop up time or game was already in hand, right? And so you know he was there for short yardage, but then again that nine yard run was part of that you know it was the first play of that three play touchdown drive before halftime. So if Wisconsin can't necessarily open holes as well this week, can a, a bruiser of a back, he's six two, two hundred and thirty eight pounds, can he make an impact that way? Uh, in terms of, you know, getting that extra yard where needed, maybe breaking one down the road. You know, no one's going to be able to arm tackle Braylon Allen. So, you know, and, and how does it, how does he compliment someone like Ches Malusi and Jalen Berger and Isaac Garendo too? You know, how, how, you know, you know, that, that's a, you know, that's a, I think that's a very talented backfield. It's just, what are they going to do, you know, to, to help break through and, and get back to what they did. And I'm not saying against Eastern Michigan where they ran for 352 yards because that's, of course you want as many yards as you want, you know, as you can gain, but that, that's not realistic in, in the big 10, but can they get back to being consistent and gaining yards? It may not be Jonathan Taylor-esque uh, breakaway touchdowns, but can you get four or five yards per carry instead of two to three or one? Um, and who gives them the best chance to do that? Uh, that's going to be a question they need to answer. So uh, anyways, I'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening uh, to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Again, we're powered by Overtime Media. Make sure you guys go to BadgerBlitz.com, Wisconsin.Rivals.com. Go to, for John uh, on Twitter. It's at McNamara Rivals. For, for Ben Wargle, 
It's at the Badger Nation. For me, it's at Jake Coco. Uh, we'll be back next week. We'll talk. Obviously, it's going to be a big week uh, in terms of non-conference play. Uh, Army, Wisconsin wraps up its non-conference schedule that way, uh, which, which really, is, for me, is going to be a lot of fun to, to cover. It's a night game, too, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, but we'll be talking, probably recap a little bit of Illinois next week and then talk Army. A lot more to come. Make sure you guys go to badgerblitz.com for all of our coverage coming up uh, for this weekend uh, and beyond, especially with basketball season, recruiting. Uh, gosh, early signing period is just about two months away. That's insane. Uh, there's a lot more coming from us. Uh, and, of course, for this podcast, please subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts, we're on there. Thanks again for listening. Y'all have a great weekend. Take care. Be well.